Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, for those who may not have been here over the last few weeks, we've been doing a sermon series on Paul's letter to the Colossians. But today we're going to take a commercial break. And it really is a commercial in some ways. Because what do commercials typically try to do? They try to sell you something. Well, I'm not going to try to sell you. I'm going to try to get you to invest. Because that's what some of the other commercials do. To get you to invest. And I want you to invest in the kingdom of God. And I want you to invest in your future. That's really what I'm here to talk about. Because so often we think, well, you know, just give to God. And it's really not about giving to God if we're just kind of throwing it away, if it doesn't mean anything to us. Giving to God really is about investment. Are you really invested in the kingdom of God? Is His Spirit really in you? Or is it just something that is no big deal and you don't really pay much attention to, and it's really not costly in your life? You know, Jesus' first sermon, in Jesus' first sermon, He touched on this whole notion and idea of giving. In the Sermon on the Mount... If you were to look in Matthew chapter 6, you don't have to turn there unless you want to. Early on, he says, concerning treasures, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up treasures for yourself in heaven. See, that's really what giving is all about. And we sometimes miss that. We are investing in our future. So many people are focused on investing in our future here, you know, retirement and college funds and things like that. But we forget that there's more than just here. There's eternal life. And the question is, are you really investing in that future? Because he goes on to say, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then, just a few verses later, he says, you cannot serve God and money. That you're going to have one priority or the other. Money really represents serving yourself and doing it your way and doing your thing and, and really giving to yourself because that's what it's about. You're serving money, but you're really all about you. Or are you serving God? Right in between those two sections of Scripture is this Scripture that talks about the eye. That it allows light to come in. See, and if Jesus is the light of the world, then once you really understand that you are taking him into your heart and into your life, then your whole set of priorities and values changes. See, because you're interested in the kingdom of God and building his kingdom and not just your own little kingdom. And you're interested in serving him and making sure you're not serving the world or the things of this world or yourself. 
that when this light breaks into your life, your life is meant to be different than the world. And your priorities and your values, therefore, different than the world. And this sermon, by the way, is not about a guilt trip. I'm not into guilt trips. I'm not into shaming you. If the Holy Spirit convicts you, that's great. But this is really about getting your mind and your heart around what the Lord is calling you to and the future He wants from you and what He wants for you in the present and what you invest your heart, your mind, your life in. And this section of Scripture that you have from Luke's Gospel, you know, really, this whole midsection of Luke's Gospel, Jesus talks over and over again about what you do with your worldly goods, your resources. Because before this particular uh, parable that we have of the Pharisee and the tax collector, we have the rich man and Lazarus. And he talks about what are you doing with what you have. And then right after this parable, we have the rich young ruler. What are you relying on? And then we get to chapter 19 where you talk about Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, because he was so touched to his heart, became an incredibly generous person where before that he was a selfish person. And then he talks about the parable of the pounds. And what you do, are you, and here where you, here's where you get the idea, investing in the kingdom. Are you really investing in the kingdom? And it kind of culminates in Luke chapter 21, the first section of Scripture, where this poor widow gives everything she has. And that's really the bottom line of what we're getting to here with our worldly goods. Who do you trust? Who do you trust with everything about your life? Who do you turn to? And that's what leads us into this parable that we're going to focus on right now. Because if you look at the beginning of the parable, before you in your, either your pew Bible on page 955 or in your bulletin, he also told this parable to those who trusted in themselves. Those who trusted in themselves. See, that's what he's really getting at. When you begin to think you are the be-all, end-all of how you should live your life and how you should invest your life and how you should give of what God has given to you, then you've missed the point. See, this Pharisee was a good legalistic guy and he was doing it all the right way, except he really wasn't trusting in the Lord. Where this tax collector who understood the depth of his own need and his own sin said, I can only rely on your mercy and your grace. And that's when we begin to understand what real living in the kingdom is about. You know, if I were to ask you the question, who really is in charge of your life? Who do you go to for guidance? Where do you seek direction? Most of us would say the Lord, right? Most of us would say that. You know, years ago, I read a story about someone who did a children's sermon on Easter Sunday. And he was sitting there with the children, and he says, I want to ask you a question. What is it that's small and furry and eats carrots and hops around? And one little girl raises her hand, and she says, Well, I think the right answer is Jesus, but it sure sounds like a bunny to me. 
You know, the reality is, if I were to ask you, who do you turn to? Most of you would say, automatically, the Lord. And my question is, really? And how does that show in your life? Do you really consult the Lord with the use of your time? And who and what you live for? And your giving? Is it all about what you feel? Or feeling good enough? Or appeasing your conscience? Or giving what you think is right at the moment? Or is it about giving the way the Lord encourages us to give? Because a lot of times we do what we think is right. And we're either trying to justify ourselves or rationalize or make ourselves feel good. We're trying to live in two worlds, living in this world materially and buying into its values or we're buying into the values of the kingdom and we're investing in what God wants to do in your life and what God wants to do in his church. Because that's what he wants. He wants people who are saying, Lord, what do you want? How do you want me to invest my life, my time, my resources? What does his word say? Or is it really about what we feel? And so once again, I invite you to ask the question. You're not answering to me, but you're answering to him. Who or what guides you? Who or what is the Lord of your life and dictates how you use all that God has given to you and all that you have? You know, today some people believe, well, you know, the tithe, that's kind of an Old Testament idea. Well, that's not true. I believe the tithe is still something that guides us. It's not the be-all, end-all of giving. It guides us, much like Scripture does. It guides us. And it was pre-existent before God gave the law, if you will, where God talks about the tithe. You find it, in fact, with Abraham. Abraham gave a tithe. You find it with Jacob, who gave a tithe, long before the law was given. And then people say Jesus never talked about the tithe. Actually, in Luke's Gospel and in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 23, he talks about how, and he's talking to the Pharisees, once again, and the Sadducees, and he's saying, You do all this stuff. And he refers to the tithe in all this stuff. And he says, quote, and you should. But that's the least. That's the least. When you really understand the tithe, which means, by the way, 10%, not just what I feel, that you're at the beginning. That he refers to here tithes and offerings. And then you give to the poor. And then you give to mission work. And sometimes you have to give to building funds. Sometimes even lawyers. See, the tithe is the beginning. Or at least working towards it. You say, gee, that's a lot of money. Yep. It's your investment. you usually pay attention to your investments, don't you? If you have them. 
God will provide. I absolutely believe that. I absolutely trust that. You know, when I, when I was a waiter before, while I was in college, I was a waiter before I met Meredith, and then I met Meredith, I was giving what I felt comfortable giving, and I always had a wad of bills in my pocket because I was a waiter. And then Meredith and I met, and we talked, and we decided to get married. And Meredith said, well, we're going to tithe. And I said, well, of course we're going to tithe. I didn't know what it meant. So we start setting 10% of our money aside. And I realized, oh, my goodness, that's a lot of money. But we decided at the beginning of our marriage that we were going to tithe, and we did. Now, we did that early in our marriage through seminary when we got down to nothing, and I mean nothing. Meredith was working for a church. You know what they pay? She actually had to get another job because we were struggling so much. But then we were finally getting out of seminary. And Meredith was pregnant with Bethany. And we were excited about embarking on the next step in our life. <clears throat> I was doing field work at a church in Pittsburgh, Wilkinsburg, actually, a suburb of Pittsburgh. And by the way, the reason this story is even coming up today is because I thought about it because a classmate of mine, Bob Henson, is here in church today. We haven't seen each other in 20 years, something like that. So that story came back to my mind. So I'm getting out of seminary, and Meredith and I set our budget. And of course, we talk about tithing, and then we talk about what I'm going to make. And this church where I was working was a small church that had grown in the two years I was a seminarian. And they were hiring me as their first assistant. And so they really didn't have a lot. You know, when you're hiring your first assistant, you're stretching. So guess who ended up stretching? So Meredith and I are looking for a place to live. And what we could afford in that area was not real promising. Do you remember, for those of you that go back this far, the pink and lime green bathrooms, right? So we finally decide we're going to take a break. We go to lunch at Burger King. And when we stopped at Burger King, we, of course, prayed together before we had our meal. And as soon as I opened my eyes, Meredith starts crying. Oh, I can't picture us being at home. We're having a baby. And I'm thinking, great. My sympathetic self. <clears throat> All of a sudden, this man comes over to us, hands us a $50 bill, says, God told me to give this to you. Before I knew what was going on, Meredith and I were awestruck. He was gone. I got up to find him, to thank him. Couldn't find him. Meredith grabbed me by the arm, sat me back down, and she said, that's not why he gave it. He was being faithful to God. And that generosity gave us hope, renewed our trust in the Lord, and we knew that he would provide. We knew. He always had. 
And, you know, sometimes we go through those periodic doubts. You know, Meredith and I even talked about in seminary, maybe we should be tithing to ourselves. That was not a good idea. And you go through those periods of question and doubt and wondering. And yet what the Lord has done in my life, I can't believe. And I'm awestruck. And I'm thankful. But it's because over 34 years ago, when Meredith and I got married, we said we were going to tithe, and we have never not tithe. And I know two negatives aren't supposed to be together, but that works. We have never not tithed. See, who do you trust? Who do you trust really? I've been privileged to watch the Lord do incredible things in my life. Through my life. Things I never thought I would do. Places I never thought I would be. I never thought I would be rector here. You kidding? I didn't even know Hilton Head back when I was in seminary. Actually, I did know of Hilton Head because of Bill Asnip. But I didn't know anything about it. Really wasn't interested. And I've been here for over 21 years now. And it has been a tremendous blessing. The Lord knew back then. And he has helped us take in the steps all along the way to get to this point. And we trust him. Do you trust him? See, because really, you know, what I discovered in the unfolding of my life and even the tithe is it's not even 10% is the Lord and 90% is mine. It's 100% of the Lord's everything about my life and 10% goes to his work that's what I've discovered that's what you're giving to his work and it's how he does his work he relies on us to be his hands to be his feet to be his mouthpiece and to give the resources in order to do his work It's not as I heard one guy jokingly said, tongue-in-cheek, about how it works in giving to God. You know, when I get my money, at the end of the month, I toss it up in the air, and anything that falls to the earth is mine, and everything that stays out there, God gets to keep. Think about that one. We give to Him. You're not given to a budget. You're not given to appease your conscience. You're not giving to earn your way to heaven or pay God off. You're giving because He has a call on your life and a call on this church to do His work. That's why you give. Stewardship is putting first things first. That's why in Scripture it's called the first fruits. That Jesus himself is called the first fruits because it's the full extent of God's love giving himself sacrificially for our salvation. That God has given us life. And God has given us salvation through Jesus Christ. And he's given us the Holy Spirit. 
to empower us, to enable us to trust, to teach our hearts and minds to walk His way, which is sacrificial love. It is putting first things first. And it takes prayer, believe me. Meredith and I have prayed a lot during our life together. And it takes knowing His Word. And it takes trusting Him and trusting His Word. Because if you don't, you won't live the life that He calls you to. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I get The Economist magazine. Someone bought me a subscription, so I figure I might as well read it. And uh, there was an article last week about the Catholic Church in Germany. Anybody read this? It's called The Bishop of Bling. And it's about this guy. By, by the way, his diocese, the Limburg in the Diocese of Hesse. I think that's where they get Limburger cheese. Franz Peter Tebarts van Elst. That's the guy's name. He just built himself a house right next to the cathedral. $7.43 million. Meredith and I were thinking of upgrading. $7.43 million. This is his house. He didn't like the advent wreath that they were using, so he contracted to have one, and he wanted to do it like a drop ceiling, drop from the ceiling. cost over $100,000 to do that. This guy's unbelievable. He just got called to Rome. Imagine that. <laughs> I mean, and we're talking about Pope Francis, you know his priorities? If you've heard anything about him, guess what? I think this guy's going to Siberia. <laughs> now, I really don't know where he's going, but he's going to lose his post. And he's lied. You know, it's amazing. And I think that's what Jesus was saying about the Pharisee. But you know the reality is, a lot of the kingdoms that are built, a lot of the money that's spent, is about us. And we don't always consult Him. And that's what He's calling us to. First fruits. First fruits. Taking from the top 10% or more and giving it to Him because He's blessed your life. You have what you have. You are what you are. You have the opportunities that you've had and will have because of Him. And that's what the tax collector recognized. The grace of God and the mercy of God. Which is what we live by. There's a scripture reading from Malachi. Chapter 3. Will anyone rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how are, we, how are we robbing you? In your tithes and offerings. 
Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. That's what I've experienced. I'm convinced. I have everything I need. I could drive a nicer car if I didn't tithe. I could live in a nicer house if I didn't tithe. Meredith and I probably could have traveled a lot, a lot more, if we didn't tithe. I have no regrets. None. Because I've watched God do amazing things in my life. And I wouldn't trade that. I live in awe and thanksgiving because of what he's done in my life. We got three kids through college and no debt. Figure that one out. I can't. I really can't. But I've watched him work in incredible ways. And I'm convinced he's faithful because we trust him. And he wants us to trust him so he can show his faithfulness in our lives. You know, maybe in the next week or two, you might go out for dinner, maybe you, your spouse, maybe your family. You'll drop 50 bucks, 100 bucks. You'll think nothing about it. And that meal that you ate won't stick with you very long. You think about putting 100, 100 bucks in the plate when it goes by today, you say, oh my gosh, that's a lot of money. But that investment will last lot longer and many in here a hundred a hundred bucks a week really isn't even a tithe it's less you're probably catching that I take this seriously it's because the Lord said where your treasure is there your heart will be also and I want your hearts with him. Let me tell you what. The investment you give overflows. Overflows. And blesses you in this life and the life to come. When I go on mission trips, it doesn't come out of my tithe. But let me tell you what. I wouldn't trade that for the world. We have a group here going on a mission trip. We're going to be praying for them in a minute. Well, maybe a little longer than a minute. But I'll tell you what, how much that touches your life and what you see the Lord do. I wouldn't trade that. I could go on a much nicer trip. But what a blessing it is. You know, the reality is God wants to do something in your life. And he wants to bless you. And he wants to bless others through you. But it requires making an investment. You know, that guy that gave us that $50 bill, I can't wait to meet him in heaven where there'll be anyone looking for you 
in heaven because you gave. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord God, there are so many temptations in the world to live a worldly life. There are people around us who have and we want. There's people who sell a lifestyle constantly, a mindset, and feeds our egos. But it doesn't necessarily feed our souls. Lord God, I pray this day that you would shower your Holy Spirit upon each person here. That they would desire in their lives to take those steps of faith and trust you. To trust you to your word. To invest in the kingdom, your kingdom. And to sacrifice because your son gave himself for us. Lord, I pray too that people would not be moved by guilt or shame, but moved by the conviction of your Holy Spirit, moved by your love poured out for them in your Son, Jesus. Lord, help us, like the tax collector, to recognize the depth of your mercy and grace to be so moved by your spirit that we would learn what it means to trust you more and more, to trust you at your word and to cause us to be people of generosity. Generosity in our time. Generosity of ourselves. Generosity of our resources. And Lord, help us to see those people once we see you face to face whose lives that we've touched because we've given. And we thank you again for your son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.